What's going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful week so far. It's podcast time. Um, but before we get into the podcast, I want to tell you all to go listen to the first release on my record label that we... First time I signed somebody, a guy called Debesque, who is a close homie of mine. The track is called Dale, so after this podcast, go check it out. It's an amazing record. Um, hope you dig it. So let's get to the podcast. And this week, I've got the pleasure of speaking to the one and only Spencer Brown. Spencer is a LA, not an LA, a Bay Area, born and bred artist, um, currently living in LA. He's creates beautiful, progressive, deep techno uh, house music. Um, it's really hard to explain what he does because it is very. It, his sound doesn't change, but it does, and it's it's really special. Um, he's released multiple albums, and is in the process of starting his own record label. So I ha I love this conversation. We had a really good, really good chat and I hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, Spencer Brown. Spencer Brown, what's cooking, man? How's it going? Good man. Good to good, good to finally to meet here. you. Yeah, good to finally meet you. It's um, um I've been following your stuff for a while. Um and yeah, it's good to be in touch with you. So thanks for coming on. Awesome. Really appreciate that. And you too. Thanks, man. Um First thing I want to get out there is I was just doing some research on you. And holy crap, you've got a good name, like birth name. Oh, yeah. My <laughs> my uh, legal name is Onofrio Spencer Jeffrey Bruno. And I'm actually the sixth. They skipped a generation, uh, but I'm the sixth Onofrio Bruno, which is pretty nuts, isn't it? <laughs> That's mad. Where where are you? Where does that come from? Or like, where, where are you That's from? That's Italian. Okay. Italian, um, but but I'm fifth generation from California, from the Bay Area. Okay. So they they moved from Italy to uh, to New York briefly, and then they moved to California for the gold rush, I believe. So okay. I've been we've been in California for a while, but for for some reason they uh, thought it was a fun idea to pass on the <laughs> pass on the name. <laughs> it's like the best name. I was like, how do you even pronounce this? My like English ass is just like, what the fuck? Do you, how do you even say it? I think, I think Spencer Brown is the good, good choice for, um, artist name. Definitely. Because... Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I go by Spencer normally. So that okay. was, that was an obvious choice. And I, we wanted to change the, the artist name to not be my legal last name. So, uh, um, B R U N sounded like Brown and we're yeah. like, Oh, okay. Makes sense, man. <laughs> Makes sense. Totally. Um, How's so you're in the Bay Area now? I am in Los Angeles temporarily. Okay. Um, I moved to LA um, during the pandemic, or actually a week before the pandemic. Oh, really? So it's a funny story, actually. I, I broke up with my, my ex and uh, I was kind of in a tough place. So I, mm. I went down to LA to, to crash with one of my, my closest friends. Yeah. And then we got locked down and then, you know, I'm in his guest room and it's like two weeks later, we're like, uh, like, should I leave? He's like, no, I don't want you to leave. It's like scary. I was like, okay, cool. Then like two months later, you know, I'm still crashing in his guest room. I'm like, should I just move here right now? So I packed up my stuff and moved. <laughs> Are you enjoying it? Yeah, it's amazing. It's incredible. Like the Bay is home for me. Uh, yeah. I'll definitely be back. Uh, at, I think at the end of this lease, I'm going to mm. move back to San Francisco. 
but um, but it's been an amazing year and a half so far, um, and I'm gonna do another uh, year. So it's it's really nice, you know. I have a great studio, no neighbor problems, you know. Really nice house, like beautiful weather. It's friends all over the place. It's great. Yeah, whereabouts in LA are you? I moved to Santa Monica. It's been an amazing, um, amazing time here. I have tons of friends mm. um, really close to me, which I think is really important. During yeah. the pandemic, that was very, very important for me because I needed to have good company yeah. uh, around instead of kind of being alone through the whole thing. So mm. it was it was a great, um, great time. You know, every everything's great. But I, I do miss San Francisco a lot because really? that's home. Um, it inspires so much of my music. I'm not really as inspired by the 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 kind of scenery here i yeah, just yeah. find the bay I, I love the fog and i love the the clouds and yeah. stuff like that just like it being kind of gloomy makes me make better music rather than it being sunny because i feel like when it's sunny i just want to go outside the whole day and not work <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can relate to that massively <clears throat> I, I i live in detroit at the moment um but from the uk so in both cities it's kind of gloomy and it does just make you want to just work but the minute the summer hits it's like just too hot to do anything as well and you're like oh yeah yeah for sure what work. what brought you to detroit out of curiosity um i was so i i've always done when i've done tours in the states i've always like based myself in a city um so i just get like a, a short lease um so my first right. tour in the states years ago i i based it based myself in la i wasn't a huge fan of living in la as much as i love playing there i just wasn't it just wasn't really for me um and then the next place was new york which i love new york it's like my favorite city in the world Um, incredible yeah and then i needed something more permanent in america and i didn't really want to pay new york prices because i I wanted an apartment by myself and i wanted to like have a bit more of a base um so randomly i was in movement in detroit and (laughs) and uh i had i had some friends that were um we were i was at a friend's parents house here and we were having breakfast and then one of our other friends who's a promoter in new york and detroit she was like oh i just bought an apartment block in detroit like come and check it come and like live in one of the apartments for like i think it was like 500 bucks a month and oh my gosh like see check out detroit and since then i ended up moving around detroit a bit and then ended up buying a place out here in four just over four years ago um oh awesome congrats that's super sick so yeah it's like it's for me detroit is an interesting city it's it's very poor um the history is very rich and for sure it's a growing city that needs a lot of kind of tlc to kind of for sure make into a city that's um a major city i don't know if it will ever be a major city um but there's something about this that it's taken me a long time to actually like being here um right that is very backwards to what i'm used to in the uk um right right but there's something really special about here as well the community here is super interesting 
Um, do do you find uh, you're you're getting inspiration? I think that's the most important thing. I think for me of 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 living somewhere is that yeah. you can find inspiration around you, whether it's people or the mm. the settings. For me in San Francisco, as I said, it's it's the fog and yeah. the, the hills and all that stuff. That's where I take inspiration from 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 up there. Um, in LA, it's more the people, like yeah. my friends, my my close friends, like being around, like interactions, coming home from tour being around so much good love and good energy uh, here like that, that brings me a lot of inspiration here. But, but for you, do you find inspiration in Detroit? For me, Detroit, I believe Detroit has probably changed my sound a little bit. Right. Um, And that's not necessarily answering your question. Does it give me inspiration? Sometimes I prefer writing in my studio back in the UK. Right. Um, Because I still split my time between, between mm-hmm. America and UK. Um, but I think that's because I'm much more comfortable when I'm at home with kind of the what I, like my studio there, and I'm like slowly getting used to this studio. Um, but like all my hardware is back in the UK, and I think I'm a little bit more relaxed when I'm in the UK, where here it's like, right. here I'm in work mode. So I I right. do do I am pretty like um productive when I'm in Detroit. I get a lot of stuff done. Um but I feel like the creative, you know like when you're like writing, I don't know how you write, but when I'm writing ideas for a record, I find that they probably come a little bit easier in in the UK. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um I think for me the 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 ideas come when I'm not in the studio, which is funny. Like okay. I'm, I'm, I'm starting like 90% of my tracks just on my laptop and really? headphones, honestly. Yeah. Most of the time I'm starting tracks in like a hotel or Airbnb mm. or ho- uh, like a flight or train really? or, or something. Like I, I, I find, I just feel so inspired when I'm, when I'm when touring around, and I'm yeah. really tired and stuff, you know, like I just, yeah. that's where I start a lot of my music. It's, it's, it's almost really hard for me to, to come into the studio and like sit down it's like okay i'm gonna make a track now you know that's <laughs> it feels like too too work yeah worky for me it should mm. be like a fun thing to make music so i've i've learned recently that let's rewind five years ago i wait five six years ago geez i graduated from university okay. and uh and I was really trying to make music happen full time. So I was every single day I'd wake up at like six or seven in the morning, make music until like 8 p.m. I'd work like 15 hours a day on music every day. Even if I wasn't inspired, I would just sit there and just crank out music as much as possible. Mm. And I found that that's actually not the way to do it. Uh, Now that I'm grateful to live off my music and do this full time, but, but, now that I have that kind of luxury and I'm, I'm, I'm honored f- for this. Yeah. Um, I only work when I feel like working now. And if I'm not working, Amazing. go do other things because the inspiration will be stronger. If you don't force the music uh, every single day, like sitting yeah, down yeah. the studio, treating it like work. If yeah. you, it's, for me, there will be, a week, maybe two weeks, maybe three weeks, random chunk where I write maybe 15 to 20 records that yeah. I'm really excited about, yeah. like no joke. And then there will be a month, two months, three months where I cannot write a single thing 
that I like. I love that. And that's just how it works. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know why. Like, it just it just happens like that. And and like when I was in Hawaii uh, two months ago, I think I started four. Yeah, four records in the week I was there um, that I 100 percent am playing out and I yeah. really, really enjoy the tracks. And then I leave Hawaii and then I'm like, oh, I can't write music anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Hawaii, Hawaii is a pretty inspiring place. I went when I was there before the pandemic, I was like, I could probably do a month here of just hire, like get an Airbnb and just take some take some studio monitors and just like write like looking out to the sea there's something pretty 100%. special about that place a hundred percent i think i was there i was there with my family i was supposed to be there three days yeah and um then my family leaves and then i had one extra day because i was going to kind of write and i felt so good with the writing then i got an airbnb like for <laughs> I think two or three extra days and then <laughs> after those two or three extra days i felt so good in the in the zone like making good music i'm like i'm doing another airbnb for two days so when i got another <laughs> <laughs> we're so lucky that we can do that man we're so I know. lucky seriously, seriously so lucky. i, sure. I want to go back to when you left university and you were talking about that you you went through the like the grind of writing music and you were kind of treating it as a job mm-hmm. how important was that part of your music production career though i would say it really felt like the make or break moment for me because i've been making music since i was a kid like a little kid i started my first recording like me drumming and playing guitar and stuff when i was maybe like nine years old or Mm. ten years old or something so i've I've been i've been making music my whole life as a a passion as a hobby i got into dance music when i was like 13 maybe Mm. i was like sneaking in the parties and i like heard it was like old dubstep at the time. And yeah. I, I, I heard like that OG dubstep stuff. I was like, what is this? I have to like get into that. So, so fast forward uh, to answer your question. I finished, finished university in 2016 and I had some, you know, momentum in my music career, but I yeah. couldn't live off it at the time. And I just realized if I don't go for this full time yeah. right now, I'm never going to make yeah, yeah. this a career basically, yeah. you know, like it, 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 it hit that point where I'm like, I realized if I started looking for jobs and I started trying to kind of do music on the side while kind of doing jobs, I'm mm. like, I'm not going to make music a career mm. if I, if I go looking for jobs. So yeah. I told my family, give me six months to live at home and I will either have a music career by then, or I will not have a music career by yeah. then. And then the six months turned into nine. I got to extend it three months because I was like, not quite there yet. <laughs> and then nine, <laughs> nine months later, I, uh, I moved to San Francisco, barely able to support myself, barely able to put food on the table. Yeah. But I was, I was like opening a couple tours where you're making, you know, basically Nothing. like 500 bucks yeah, a gig, yeah. you know, like the, the super, super yeah. opening deals. Um, and I was barely, barely, barely able to survive those first few months, uh, maybe first year living Mm. on my own until I released my first album. I think that's, that was a major turning point that was in 2018. So 2017 was quite a struggle, Yeah. but, uh, 2018, I released my first album called illusion of perfection. Mm. And then I think that was the moment that people really understood what I 
what I was doing. And then yeah. that following that album, I released a track called Windows 95 on Acid on, on Mousetrap, which is my first kind of techno record that yeah. it actually hit number one. Yeah. And the 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 more proggy album and then the tech <clears throat> excuse me, and then the techno that everyone started playing it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's when people really understood it's like okay, I get what he's trying to do. And yeah. then that's when bookings and headline gigs and stuff like that started to come in. So what did you do at university? I studied uh, electrical and computer engineering and okay. then comp sci uh, as a minor. Okay, so not really much to do with music as a major. No, but but uh, the, the, the specialization I did is in signal processing. So I, I learned okay. like the circuitry and the math behind EQs, like filters, yeah. compressors, what is a limiter, like all that kind wow. of thing. I learned that there's the like circuitry and the, the, um, the, the signal flow and learning. Um, I did a lot of work in acoustics as well, mm. which was really fun. I did my thesis on that. I built an omnidirectional speaker. So like a speaker, I, from scratch, I built a speaker that radiates sound in all directions. That's crazy. So that was a really fun project. So I got, I got a lot of intuitive knowledge uh, about like engineering of the tracks mm. and, and, and understanding how sound works on such a deep fundamental level. But I think it absolutely helped my uh, productions like subconsciously. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. That makes sense. I guess for me, what I was trying to get at it it the um the question is everybody that i've spoken to at some point that's has a success in their in music or pretty much in any career is that they there's a chunk of time where they have to work their fucking ass off yes. <laughs> to, to like really get to where they want to get to whether that's a year two years but it's like a year of just solid work and just like accepting that this next year, year and a half, two years is going to suck. But we, I have to get through this year to get to where I want to get to for the rest of my life. Absolutely true. And, and I, I, I think about that, then I, that exact thing you just said, and I'm like, am I like lazy now that I'm not putting in that hard work, you know? <laughs> well, I can relate to that as well because I write a lot and then during the pandemic I wrote so much music and when we came out of the pandemic I kind of couldn't write a thing and it was the first time in my life that I've ever not really been writing that much music. I was writing music for other people, I was doing a few other projects but I wasn't doing Will Clark and... Right. I'm still at the point where I'm I'm writing Will Clark stuff now, but it's still I was writing like I remember one I had like seventy records that like were just <laughs> all just like ready they could have all been released if you know what I mean. You're like right. Jesus Christ, that's some serious work. But realistically it's not I think for me coming back round to that is like it gets to a point where I for me I get a lot more picky and I want to kind of progress further rather than just writing club records. Yeah, for sure. Also, I think when you write a mass quantity of music, like similarly in the pandemic I wrote 
I don't even want to put a number on it. It's there's so many freaking demos sitting yeah. on my computer that I didn't, no one has heard before. Yeah. Dozens and dozens, maybe a hundred, maybe over a hundred. Yeah. That you get to just choose the kind of top couple tracks yeah. to release that are just the bombs, like the best of the mm. best of the best. And then you could play the other ones in the sets and as IDs and yeah. people may or may not know, you know, what, what the record is and you don't even have to release it. And that's what I've realized. Like, that that those extra records that that you've written that may not ever come out mm. that's not really wasted time because no. if they if they work in your sets they're just exclusive to your sets and that makes people want to come out to your sets totally. even more because they know you're gonna they're gonna be hearing music that they can't hear anywhere yeah. else and i think that's a really important thing like, yeah uh, no, like, I, I agree with that how much of your sets is your your own music or how do you even like approach a set because I know you're, you do your album thing and then you do your single thing. Like, what? How do you kind of break that up when it comes to touring? When you're like, if yes. let's say for instance, if you're touring an album, do you tour literally just playing the album music, or what? How do you do that? It's it's always been, and it depends on the tour. Mm. I've done different things for different tours. There was one tour I did called the SBXID tour, where I would play three hour sets minimum and it was a hundred percent my own music and there was just mostly like ids uh, a lot of my released music yeah. too uh, but i only focused on my own music and that was really really fun i may bring that back um because yeah. that was that was an awesome tour but but majority of the time especially post pandemic mm. uh, like growing up djing i started djing in in seventh seventh or eighth grade so that's like 12 or 13 years yeah. old because i hated the music they played at like school dances and stuff yeah, and yeah. i'm like i could do that better and that's why i started djing mm. back then you know when i'd be playing a 14 year old birthday party or something you would have to dj for like six hours and no one cares who you are you yeah. just need to keep people at On the party the yeah, yeah. and I, I love that education, like learning how to DJ on the fly, like growing up yeah. and playing other music and digging for music that, you know, a balance of stuff that people know and people don't know mm -hmm. that I really missed, especially coming out of the pandemic. So the tour since the pandemic, I've been kind of I organize a few different crates, like let's say a three hour set. I would yeah. organize like a lower energy crate, like more progressive, mm -hmm. kind of deeper music main kind of crate which is kind of just like 126 just kind of mid-tempo really good groovy nice yeah. stuff the high energy crate which is like super banging stuff yeah. and then the tech crate which is the percussive like more techno yeah, um, yeah. something if the room needs to kind of go into a heads down yeah kind of slam in mode i would go into that crate and mm. start playing out of that and work with that so I usually prepare and then a total crate, which is all the records all together. Yeah. And then sometimes one extra crate of like new tracks I really want to try out. Yeah, like yeah. that'll have like five tracks in it just so I remember to play those tracks. Yeah. Um, and that's generally how I organize my sets. And then I just go with the flow. Yeah. Um, and and it's I would say usually it's two thirds my own music and one third music that I've found that I guarantee less than five people in the room would know, yeah, you know, yeah. and then an occasional track that everyone would know that is a great throwback, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? But I, I try not to play if something's in the charts and stuff and really yeah. like a, a hit that isn't mine. I do not play that track. 
Yeah, I agree with that totally. I don't know why. Yeah, because it keeps you unique. It's like I, anyone can look at the, the the charts and just download the charts. It just doesn't. I don't know. It's I'm not trying to be like elitist or whatever. It's just like it's it's way more fun to find some obscure record with 2000 plays that yeah. you're like, this is so sick. I want to yeah. share this with the world than it is to find a track that, you know, everyone knows mm. and then play it out. You know, I, it's just totally. like the, the, the fun of DJ and the fun of record digging, you know? Yeah. I think it's also, it actually turns our job into work. Like it makes, for me, it makes like crate digging. I find it extremely hard at this moment in time to like find records that I'm really excited about outside of like my inner circle of crew, if you know what I mean, that just right, purely right, because right. I, I find that, I don't know. I just don't think the at this moment in time, the quality of music is actually that great. And I don't think it's not out there. It's just hard to find. Um, because, so you bring up a great point. You said at this moment, the quality of music, I would say most of the discoveries I'm talking about that I'd find are from yeah. 2009, yeah. 2013, just random mm -hmm. tracks from even like 10, 15, yeah. five years ago that were just went way under the radar. Yeah. I would find that, that the majority of those tracks that I'm playing in my sets are actually tracks from the past yeah. that, that people probably don't know. You know what I mean? Because I do agree with you when you're looking what is the hottest new release what is this what is that yeah. it gets a little exhausting keeping up with that so i don't really catch up with what's going on at the moment i i usually look in the past for inspiration yeah i agree i'm this week i'm about to i i had my tour started a couple of weeks ago and we then we had like a couple of weekends postponed um and this week the tour starts again properly and i need to go and I know I need to go and spend like a day on Beatport and like Discogs and all of this just to like find some new music of other people's music. Cause I, I like, I'm like you where I play most of my own music during my sets, but it's nice just to have a few other records just to kind of pepper in, um, 100%. for my own sanity really. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because it's fun at yeah. the end of the day. It's like it's fun to play other people's music. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the whole point, isn't it? Is what we're we're performing. We're not like rock rock bands where they have to play the same set every night, and we're lucky that we don't have to do that. Um, I think it's important yeah. to to like. I want the crowd to come to the show and not have any clue what's going to be. Played. I mean, they'll hear one or two of the the. The tracks that everyone wants to sing along to and mm. stuff like that but but for you to walk up there when i go to a show at least if i'm going to see a dj who i really like i want to go up there and hear a bunch of stuff that i um, yeah i don't know and yeah. especially i think the the big realization is the my favorite sets of my life had moments of I can't believe they just played that yeah. but i love it yeah, and yeah. i try to have a couple I can't believe they just played that and I love it yeah. moments in the sets too. I think that's really important. What's, what's your go-to record that's that? Ooh, I mean, it, it changes because you don't want to do the same moment. Yeah. Uh, like a lot of the times I was ending my sets with this bootleg of Thriller, like Michael Jackson okay. that I made. Like uh, like I was playing that out a lot. I think it's a bit played out now. <laughs> I played it out so much, but it, but it works so well. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. 
like the last track of the set and then everyone hears thriller and then everyone's it it works really well that's that's definitely one of them i'm trying to think um i have a really good bootleg of um there's a track called ludicrous growing pains there's okay. this really cool house mix of that track um that doesn't have vocals it's yeah. just the the beat and it sounds amazing i think that sampled bobby brown i don't know what okay. the original sample was but it sampled that it's just it's just little things that are mm. that are like is that ludicrous right now or yeah, like yeah, like yeah. throw in some like eminem acapella like really filtered down that yeah. like is looping over some beat and then people are like is that eminem or like <laughs> am i crazy you know what i mean like yeah. stuff like that i love i love stuff like that what's your what's your thoughts on the current scene right now with kind of what a lot of what's really popular at the moment with the big like the very common like samples that are being used what's your thoughts on that i think um in maybe in the past like maybe years ago i i used to kind of like how you know i'm not talking about this specific yeah. form of music but just just any music that's like really popping i'm like why do people enjoy that but now <laughs> now i i'm totally like well that's for some people yeah. you know my music is for some people so i i don't really have an opinion it's just like i think overall the more people get drawn into dance music on whatever scale yeah. the more we all benefit from it you know so if if, if someone who didn't really like dance music in the past is now drawn into the the super commercial kind of music that the commercial side of dance music that's really popular right now maybe you know they'll eventually get really into the scene and and really want to hear a little bit more underground music eventually yeah. you know and some people will fade phase out of it and that's that's okay too so i think the the music is not my cup of tea that's really popular right now yeah. which is it's just not not my taste and that's mm. totally okay but it is some some people's taste and totally well it's majority it's, change it's majority of people's taste isn't it because that's what's commercial right yeah yeah 100 percent. but you know that some of those people will want something new and maybe those people will kind of go in a different direction and eventually really enjoy something else you know and i, th I think it's I think just overall, the more people who get into dance music, the better, because those people will either kind of filter out or mm. get into different kinds of it. Because I think the pandemic really messed with our scene. I think there's a generation of, of kids like the, the, the 18 year olds, the 19 year olds who aren't who kind of missed yeah. the, the, the dance music during yeah. the pandemic, like the people who are just first going to university and maybe that's not their thing. Maybe they really like to watch movies or something mm -hmm. and not go yeah. clubbing or whatever. So I think the more people we can get to to be really into our scene, the, the healthier it becomes. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think the pandemic did kind of change a lot of the scene massively. And I think it's, I think obviously we're still in it, which is very interesting, but it's it's definitely changed the the crowd. It's changed how people go out it's changed how people buy tickets it's changed how people listen to music it's it's changed everything um, it really has it is crazy i was just thinking about that how different ticket sales shows yeah. going on sale uh yeah the way people consume music um that the crowds some it's yeah. it's funny the crowds are either like 
when there's a big COVID surge, like the the Omicron, for example, <laughs> there's feels like a cautious energy in the air. Yeah. And then when there's like no COVID in a certain city, everyone's like, ah, oh, like going crazy and stuff, you know? Yeah, <laughs> if you can tell. <laughs> yeah, I found it really interesting how promoters are as well. Um, promoters seem very, uh, this is massively generalizing, but it they seem extremely sensitive to anything yeah. that's going on which mm-hmm. means that it kind of one bad thing happens and it's like oh the show's gonna go to shit where it's like hang yeah. on a minute it's it's not it's like let's let's sit back and remember that people still want to go out and party and people yeah. still want to have a good time and it's important that we still give that to people because so many people have been deprived of that for the last two years that they want to go out and they want to have fun. Absolutely. I mean, this is, this is the, the, uh, the I feel like this is the reason I'm living honestly exactly. is to be a part of this scene. Yeah. Like this is, this is, this is my heart. This mm. is my love. And I know that other people feel the exact same way. So like, even if some COVID or whatever, something, something is like damaging the ticket sales and the promoters freaking out and everyone's freaking out. It's like, you still like got to show up and and have a great time, you know, and play your, play your gig. I know a lot of my friends, some shows and myself included, it's like if we sell X amount of tickets and then there's some surge or whatever happening at the time, but we're still moving. There's like 50% or 60% of the people don't show up to the show. You still got to get up there and show the people a good time. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just the, you, you can't be up there and be like, Oh, like, People aren't showing up to the show because of this COVID surge. I'm not going to give it my all. You got to go up there and give it your all because it's fun and people want a good time, as you said. Well, I think that's the thing is like, I don't, I, I don't know about you, but at some point in your career, you start worrying about ticket sales. <laughs> my, 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 uh, my, my agent and manager told me, they don't give me ticket sales anymore because I was getting so worked up and I have OCD. So like yeah, I, have, I have a form of OCD that's very, very like mental, like uncertainty. Mm. And it would drive me nuts when I'm like, <laughs> when they're like, okay, the show's at like 200 tickets and it's like a 800 cap room yeah. or something. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. this is going to be a nightmare. And then like 600 people show up at the doors the yeah. day after. And I was like freaking out over nothing. The show sells out or something, you know, like, so they, they're like, we are not giving you any ticket sales anymore. And anytime you ask, we're just going to hang up the phone. Yeah. It's, I'm exactly the same as that, <laughs> but I still get ticket sales. <laughs> oh, it's like, it's, I don't know what it is, but I I can't even remember when I started worrying about ticket sales. Because it wasn't like, when I first started DJing, you didn't care. All you were cared about was going in and just playing records and making sure that everyone had fun. Yeah, yeah. But I guess true. when it turns into a business, you're like, that's when you start. I think also like this whole, I try not to do it if I'm honest. Um this whole thing on social media is like kind of bragging about selling out. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I think it's, I think it's really, for me, I really struggle with it when like, if, if a show sold out and a promoter wants me to post that the show sold out, I'll put it in my stories. I will never talk about 
oh, last night in this city we sold out. It was an absolutely amazing show. I would say last night in this city was an absolutely amazing show. Thank you for coming out. But for me, the whole sold out thing actually means nothing to anybody else. And it's just purely an ego thing for me or my team. And that's a that's a really, really interesting point. And I th- I think it's like everybody knows that you've sold out that, w- that was in that city, right? Like because the club was yeah. fucking packed. Everyone can see that the club was packed. So why do we have to say it? And this is only my this is only my my thing because it just I don't know why it annoys me when people do it. It's like DJs on private jets. It just annoys me so much. And I'm just like, you don't, <laughs> you don't need to post about it. Like, fine, have your private jet, but you don't need to post about it. So shut the fuck up and just get to your show. Yeah. And do your work. <laughs> I, I know, I know some DJs who do who fly private test gigs and don't say a word about it on, exactly. on social media. That's yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, um, but, but regarding the sold out thing, I think it comes, it, it, definitely comes down to ego for some but i also think from a business perspective it's like the scarcity mentality of if if this it's like this show sold out and if you're trying to push sales for the next show people are worrying oh my god the last one sold out so i have to buy tickets but i don't know how much that actually translates you know what i mean yeah because i think realistically if you're really famous right let's just say you're chris lake okay, at this moment in time, who, or like Fish or someone like that who just sells out mm. every single show. Like, your fans know that you have to buy, you have to buy tickets way far in advance before the show because they're going to sell out and you're going to miss out. Right, right. And I feel like that's something that as you get bigger as an artist, you get to kind of... Your fans get to know your who you are and ha- what your not what your worth is, but how quickly they need to buy tickets because they they want to they want to do it. But a lot of people don't buy tickets until the night of. Myself included. Yeah. If I'm gonna go see someone and I want to go support, because I I rarely will ask for list. I used to ask for list all the time of yeah. trying to get on the list. But if it's like if it's someone I really want to see, I'll like mm. buy a ticket to support, and I'll usually buy the ticket four hours before we go out to the club that night if i have a night off you know what i mean like that's we're like oh do you want to go to this i was like yeah for sure let's let's get tickets i'm really interested in this actually because you've mentioned this a couple of times that you like actually go out to see people dj like i (laughs) i don't at all like i'll i'll only go (laughs) i'll only go to a show if my friends are playing but i would i wouldn't really go to a club to see someone DJ, I'd go to a live show, like a live music venue but right. to see like a band or something like that. But what do you like going to see DJs DJ? Absolutely. Really? Like I go all the time when I'm off for a weekend. It's like, it was kind of a joke for a while. Cause I had like a, I think in the middle of my last tour, I had like three weeks off or something. I think I went out to see five, five shows because Damn. I, I really, I wouldn't just go out to go out. That's the thing. I mm. go out to see someone who I really want to see perform. Yeah. And some of my favorites are like Guy J for example, mm. like if Guy J is in my town, 
or anywhere remotely near, I will be at the okay. Guy J show if I am if I'm off. Uh, Patrice Bamel, mm. another one of my absolute favorites. Um, great guy too. He's such if a nice he's dude. Playing, He's like the nicest person I've ever met. It's like a little bit scary how nice he is. I met him. In, I met him in Austin randomly at a festival, and like he doesn't have a fucking clue who I am. Like so, we were just like talking, and all of a sudden he was just like started talking about crypto, and he's just like it was just so random the conversation that we had, and then it was just like, and then we had to go and play our sets. But he was such a nice dude, really nice. He's, he is, he goes way, uh, like I had some questions for him and again, he didn't know who I was or mm. anything. And I just like, was like, Hey, like, I don't even know. Like if I just send him like a demo and then he gives like a detailed paragraph with feedback, I'm like, what? Yeah, <laughs> like, he did not need to do that. Yeah. You know? So that was, it's, he's just a really, really genuine guy. His presence also like the the energy he brings just when he's in our room is yeah. just he's like guru energy you know what i mean like teacher healer energy it's it's nuts he's, he's, he's a great dude he's really fucking tall as well <laughs> <laughs> yep um i i want to circle back to 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 close the conversation right before this of, of the selling out thing um, okay the the one one point I wanted to make that that I think is really important that my agent told me is, and I take this to heart. We get so concerned with numbers mm-hmm. and sales and 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 things like that, but at the end of the day, it's just a blessing to be able to play music to a crowd and to have people enjoy your music. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You can create a vibe in a room with ten people. Mm-hmm. You can create a vibe in a room with a hundred people. You can create a vibe in a room with ten thousand people. Yeah. As long it's it's at the at the end of the day, we are getting paid to play music yeah. for people. So it's like if we don't sell out the gig or the sales aren't as good or something, that's okay. Just yeah. go up there and create a vibe for, for people because it's a blessing to be able to 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 play music for people in yeah. the first place. And I, I, that's a, that's the mindset I'm in right now with with that kind of thing. It's you know the best I mean? mindset to be in, and I think realistically, we all have bad shows, all of us. Mm-hmm the biggest any artist who says they don't have a bad show is lying like there's not an artist ever that has not had a bad show yeah it's it's and i think being able to laugh about bad shows is the most powerful thing you can do as a person because i remember i played a festival i'm not going to mention its its (laughs) name but it was literally the worst show ever for me and i came off the decks questioning my career and (laughs) (laughs) and i was like what the fuck am i doing like and it wasn't the fact that there wasn't people there because there was people there but it was like just the whole vibe of the festival and just everything about you know just when you have those days and probably part of it part of it was me like part of it was my like where I was at mentally but like then recently like last year after the pandemic I had one show that was just the turnout was god awful okay yeah like embarrassingly god awful um (laughs) (laughs) but if you can come off the show and like 
look at the day like i got to the city i had i went to like a, a museum in the city i went and, <laughs> I, I went and had some amazing food i like walked around i had a really nice day i caught up with one of my old friends like and then i played a show to a bunch a few people not not hundreds of people <laughs> but a few people that were there yeah. <laughs> And they all had a great time. And realistically, although it was a little bit painful, I came off the decks and was like, you know what? Everyone has a bad day at work. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. I, yeah. I similarly had one show since the, the since we started touring yeah. again that there was a mess up with the, the set times and yeah. this and that. And there were actually a lot of people there. And then everyone started to leave before I even came on. And mm. then... When I came on, I think there were like 15 maybe people in the club, uh, like where we we had sold like a ton of tickets. Everyone had left. Yeah. So I came on way too late. And then by the time I finished, there were three people and they were just my friends. So yeah. I just like played a private set to three of my friends, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but we all have days like that, you know. <laughs> Yeah, man. hopefully not not a lot, not too much, but it's like you have an occasional. That's like one gig in however many dozens of gigs. Like you know, it just happens. It's yeah, just, I, it but happens. It does, but I guess that I guess the issue is is that because it's our business, it's because it's our livelihood. I don't, I can only speak for myself, but I'm pretty sure you're very similar to me in in this sense. Is that it's like you want to better yourself, you want to kind of grow, and you want to see growth in your career and ticket sales is one way one way we measure the growth in our career right right 100 percent. you that that's a really good point ticket sales and social media and the numbers and like the, the, the numbers online yeah and streams but but at the end of the day it's like does any of that actually matter no. if you are bringing happiness to people and ha- playing great shows and people's you're changing people's lives with your music or your sets yeah. does any of that actually matter the answer is no probably it doesn't i think it's very naive for us to say that it 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 doesn't matter because it i think it does to a certain extent because you have you to need a career you have to get yeah, somewhere yeah. right so like yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. we're very like privileged in, in where we're sitting where there's i know there's probably ten thousand people screaming at us going yeah but i fucking can't get a show if you know what i mean right, and right, but yeah, however yeah. you're 100 percent right like the, the, it, it it does matter to some extent yeah, i think like totally. it's, it's like to 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 take the numbers and all that stuff and, and base your, your self-worth and your ego off that. I think that is where you get into trouble. Mm -hmm. I think if you can separate the business and the art, I think that's the best possible situation here. Like just kind of let your team figure out the, the numbers and all that stuff. And Mm -hmm. you just have a good time playing the gigs, making great music, you know, um, thinking of good, visual components to your stuff like stuff like that like Be, that's being the artist that's what matters yeah. yeah that's that's what matters at the end of the day yeah and i think i think how do you interact with fans do you are you somebody that's like very hands-on with interaction interacting with fans or do you kind of take a, a back seat and just kind of stick to the artist and fan kind of thing 
So that's a really good point. Um, I've thought about this a lot. Uh, there, there are times in my career where I'm heavily interactive. I'm responding quite a bit to to a lot of people, yeah. and then it sometimes it feels really overwhelming because I'll yeah. look at the inbox or something, and I'll have like a hundred messages or something. Yeah. I'm like, wow, like I can't, I can't do this, and I don't want to be rude to these people. Yeah. Um, but I, I just can't, can't respond to any of this. What I did lately is I made a Discord. Yeah. Um, where I kind of blasted out like here's this and I kind of like let it be yeah. so I have like a, a crew of really 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 passionate fans and producers and I'm really helping mentor some producers cool. where I do I do feedback um, on their demos they can submit demos to me and I'm giving everyone feedback and stuff and I think by having like this this nice little core community that that really cares and and I care about them and and that's been really really nice but I can't really no in in a non-offensive way it's just we don't have the time to respond to every single person mm. who's, who's i don't even read everything anymore i used to read everything yeah but it, it gets it gets it's just a little bit overwhelming it's mm. it's not you know maybe if i'm in an airport or something i'll like look at the dms and answer a few people like hey thanks so much for coming out last yeah. night or something like that but uh but i i the days are over that i read every single thing ever um you know, it, at the end of the day, it could it could come back to like kind of an ego thing. You yeah. know, like if you, you want your 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 ego to feel like uh, like you're doing something good and mm. you want to like read all this praise and then you see the one negative comment and then yeah, it yeah, like yeah. feels like a dagger in your heart. And I'm like, <laughs> why am I putting myself why am I putting myself through this right now? Like where someone writes like, I think the set was horrible. <laughs> Like it's stuff like okay, dude. Like <laughs> I I love those comments. I, <laughs> I used to hate them, but now I just play with people when it's like that. I'm just like <laughs> I it there's something about it that I'm just like, cool man, like I'm sorry that you hated it, but I just respond like I'll do better next time. Yeah. <laughs> and just kind of like my my view on when somebody i've had it a couple of times and not often i'm like i'm i'm pretty sure like we're all in this community we're all pretty lucky i'm also very jealous of your gatorade right now by the way very jealous <laughs> it's the best i was just talking to my <laughs> friend like this is my like vice right here i drank way too much gatorade it's anyway, so go good it's so good yeah. cool cool blue only the cool blue one all I the know. others are shit. <laughs> we have we have one in the UK called Powerade, which you get here occasionally, and it's slightly above par than Gatorade. But just putting it out there. Um, what I find when somebody is commenting badly on you is generally reflecting on how their day's going. And right. what's actually going on in their life? And I, I don't. I probably said this on the podcast. I had one, one dude that would like always try and make witty comments on my comments and on my posts and pictures and stuff like that. And they were always like quite disrespectful. And I'm pretty thick skinned. Like it, nothing, really, nothing really. <laughs> you offend, seem like that. Yeah. Nothing really offends me at all. Um, <laughs> and I messaged this dude and was like, "Yo." I hear what you're saying, but just to let you know, if you do this to somebody else, you might really offend somebody. And right. and he was like, oh, shit, I didn't, I just wanted to be noticed. And I was like, 
I understand that, man. But there's other ways to kind of like be noticed. And there's other ways to, to you can do it in a nicer way. And ever since then, he never responded ever again badly. And Oh, interesting. And I think like sometimes like I don't know about you, I've I've not kind of studied your socials, but like I we have a manageable amount of followers. It's not like we have millions of followers where we can't keep up with everything, if you know what I mean, to a certain extent. For sure. Um, so I think I think for I think it's if if somebody is commenting bad shit on your socials, I think it's actually like quite human to be like, dude, are you having a good day or like what's what's going on for you? Because it's not that's that's not a nice thing to do if you know what I mean. And gen- yeah, 100%. generally the response is like, I'm really sorry, I've just been having a really bad day or like something my cat's died or something like that and it's it's always the case yeah. it's always the case I'll, I'll 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 add on to that and say when i was younger when i was in my teen years i was you know really struggling with myself because i was coming out at the time to yeah. myself like yeah. i'm gay and i'm yeah. openly gay and that's totally cool now but like when i was when i was a teenager i was like a really i wouldn't say disturbed i was just like really kind of had a lot of like anger Angry, and stuff yeah. in my life. And I was such an internet troll back mm. then. And I was doing the same thing, like trying to get noticed. I was like, I would look at things I sent on the internet when I was like a teenager. And I'm like, wow, like, yeah. what am I doing? Like delete, delete, delete. Mm. You know what I mean? Like some of that stuff I was writing. It's like, I can't believe I wrote that yeah. like back then, but that was just because I had so much internal, like, hatred and anger and stuff like yeah. towards myself and the world and like all the stuff and it's just like through maturity i learned to love myself and mm. to love spread as much love as possible totally. around me because that's the yeah, only yeah. way to do it um but 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 i do agree with you like when i was in a bad place in my life i was definitely a huge troll online yeah. for people like tormenting almost <laughs> like i'm just like what am i doing <laughs> it's so fucked up what we do like when we're in shit moods and like we can all do it right even even if it's not online even if it's just in our personal lives it's like we can really just like if we're having a shit day it can like bite back on somebody else's on how somebody's messaged you and it's like we all take things the wrong way and i think especially nowadays the worst thing is none of us actually talk it's all text It's all like short, yeah, yeah. short form conversation. This is one of the reasons why I started this podcast because our our paths would have probably crossed at some point, but right. unless we, even if we were in a club, we would never have had a conversation for an hour or two. If you know what I mean? No, it's like, like how how are you, man? Where are you from? Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. And like, have a great set. See you later. Yeah, yeah, right. And I think this is what we need more as as technologies kind of evolving and with social medias and just general communication is getting shorter and shorter like our attention spans are so short nowadays like we watch the same 15 seconds video over and over and over again because it's hilarious because we want more of it and then we just spend hours aimlessly scrolling watching nothing and yet we can't give our closest friends and family an hour to talk to a day. And I think it's just so important to keep long form conversations together. Um, 
Because I, th- I think it also allows people to kind of feel comfortable and express themselves a little bit more and kind of hash out ideas. There might be some things that you don't agree with me or I don't agree with you and you can listen to each other's opinions and then you can potentially change your opinion or or argue your opinion, if, if that makes sense, which nowadays it just feels like everyone's just shouting at each other. It a hundred percent. It's like, it, it is, it's like who can shout louder online. Yeah. Like it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's something I've, I've learned and that I'm actually in the process of learning. This is actually a conversation I had with Patrice Baumel circling mm. back to that. He was explaining equanimity to me, mm. which is yeah. like the, the art of like not letting things affect you basically yeah. and, and carry on that energy into the rest of your day or into other things. And, and as you said, it's like, if something bad happens, it's so important to just let it roll off you and mm-hmm. just continue your day as yeah. if, as if you, you know, like I, I'm, I'm really working on not letting, if something bad happens and I'm kind of feeling bad energy, not spreading that bad yeah. energy to my peers, to my roommates, to my parents, yeah. like to whomever I'm, I'm talking to that day. It's very important to just like accept that, okay, that's a difficult circumstance and then just don't let that affect others around you. Yeah. That's all we can do is, 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 is be like an absorber of yeah. if something bad happens. You absorb the energy and then you just carry on with good energy to yeah. those around you. And how, that's something I'm really, really working on. Yeah. I think it's really important. That how do you deal with like, we, the industry that we're in is very different to everyday life to what kind of a lot of people come across as in their career what they do for their careers how do you deal with the issues that come up in your career and and on top of personal issues how do you kind of deal with that and manage that so it doesn't affect your life as much as it could do for for some it's it i guess it would depend on the issue but it's very uh it's something that i've i've had to work on like we've all been in the position where we got one hour sleep. We feel miserable. We're mm. at the airport. Like it's crowded. Like everyone's like sneezing on your neck and stuff. And I'm just like, I hate everything right now. Like I, <laughs> I just, really... <laughs> but the, the, the thing that I, the thing that helps me the most is reminding myself what I'm doing. Mm. And that 13 year old me is living my dream at the moment, you know, like yeah. that, that when I was 13 and DJ into a birthday party, I'm like, I want to do this for a job, yeah. you know, I want to DJ yeah. to clubs and to stuff like that. And that, that we're, we're, we're lucky. Then we're, we're blessed to, to like live this life. Like mm. at the end of the day, the positives so outweigh the negatives that it's yeah. like, I just have to remind myself of the positives at all times. Like that's, that is the way that I get over feeling, having kind of bad energy in the day. Cause I, I have been there. I've been in the airport and I'm like, my my face is in my hands and i'm just like i just hate everyone around me right now and i'm just so like i could snap it like if if someone like pokes me i would snap <laughs> you know like we've all it's just natural it's human emotion you know? but then i need to remind myself you know but tonight after this flight after i get through all this there's going to be a big room of people who yeah. really want to have a great time and I'm not going to give them a great time. You know what I mean? And you just, you know, it's a, it's, it's just like a, a blessing to be able to play music for people at the end of the day. No, totally. Do you know the one thing that gets me the most at airports? Uh, 
You know, when, <laughs> <laughs> this is literally the like. I think I feel like this is like first world problems at its peak. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, when you're boarding the plane and the woman or the guy checking you it checking your uh boarding pass and they're they're looking at your bag to see if it's gonna fit in the overhead compartment. <laughs> <laughs> and there's always that one person, I call them the fucking bag Nazis, because they literally <laughs> they literally there's always somebody, like maybe one out of twenty flights, that will make you put your bag in the bag measurer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it fits perfectly, but they're like, "Nah, sorry, it's too big. We're gonna have to check it." And I'm like, "It fits. Like what? <laughs> that there? That is the one thing that I turn into a grumpy old man about because it's." Just I know a hundred percent. It's happened happened to me as well. <laughs> <laughs> the last time it happened, my suitcase broke as well. The wheel fell off, and I was like, "This is ridiculous." American Airlines. Classic. <laughs> yeah. Um dude, we've just done an hour. We should probably wrap this up. Um but before we leave, what have you got planned for the rest of the year? I can't believe it's it's February. February the first yeah, today. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Oh wow, I have to yeah. pay my rent. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> um so so in 11 days, um, I haven't really confirmed this on my socials yet. Um, actually, I probably shouldn't have said the exact date, but uh, it's floating around. Like People are aware that this is about to happen, but uh, I'm starting my label. It's oh, called cool. Divine. Congrats. D-I-V-I-I-N-E. Thank you. Um, it's, it's, there's become a point in my career with a lot of the music that I wrote over the pandemic mm. that it doesn't it's not that it doesn't fit anywhere. It's just, it just has its own thing going on. And I really, really wanted to own um, some of my masters and my publishing and like all yeah. that stuff. So, so for anyone who isn't, isn't aware when you sign music to a record label, they, they, they actually own the track, you license your track uh, or they license the track. So say I sign an album and it's, I'm not calling any label out. It's just like, I say I sign my album. I don't get my album back. I don't own my album for 15 years yeah. after I, after I signed that album. So it's like, you don't own your music at yeah. that point, you know, for 15 years, I really want to own some of my music, especially with, with, with blockchain stuff going on and crypto and like yeah. all this stuff that no one really knows in five years, what's going to happen. I'm like, yeah. I want to own some of my music. Also, it's just fun to create your own brand of and your own label. Like I, I've had such a good time. I've been working on this for two years. So wow. we launched the label. The first the first release comes out in in a little over a week. Uh, the B side of that first release. Oh, a third point, <laughs> and possibly the most important point. I'm sick and tired of people, uh, and I'm not calling out any label. It's just just this is just the way the music industry is at the moment. People telling you that you make this beautiful track and they're like, okay, cool. Great that you made this nine minute track, but you need to make a three minute version yeah. for the streaming services. And I'm like, some tracks I do agree need a radio mm, yeah. edit. Like if it's a very radio friendly track, for sure make a radio edit. Like so it gets more publicity. But if I'm making a nine minute progressive track that that yeah. is just it is what it is, and I spend so much love and care 
I don't want to chop that down. It's, I always say this, it's cutting your baby's arms and legs off, yeah, yeah. you know, like you, you've created this beautiful child and then all of a sudden you have to like cut it down. And that really, really, mm. really bothered me. So the B side of my first release is called 18 minute loop. It's an 18 minute record that I'm putting out. That's, is that just a massive <laughs> fuck you to everybody? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's like my creative F you to, yeah. yeah. But the craziest thing to me is I was not expecting anyone to play this out. We sent out like the first round of promo or whatever. Surfaced a video of Digweed playing it out in Argentina to, to in Mendoza. I was freaking out because John Digweed's one of my my yeah. like heroes. Like I love John. He's another one. If he's in town, I'm gonna go party to sense. a show. Yeah, like yeah, I'll yeah. go to a show with my friend. And to see him, who's one of my idols, playing out my track, that's truly a dream come true mm. for me. And then the 18 minute track, he played 13 or 14 <laughs> minutes of the 18 minute track. That's solid, man. That's that's good <laughs> going. That's really good going. Thanks, man. But like records have got shorter because of the streaming services. Like even even club records have got gotten shorter. And it's weird because yeah, I remember and, and, like when I first started DJing, you'd have regularly you'd have nine minute records on a on a regular right. occasion. And now that's all like five minutes. It's, it's weird. But the the, the 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 feeling that I have is like it's okay to make a five minute record. It's also okay to make a nine minute record. It's like the piece of art is the piece of art. Oh, they're they're yeah, yeah. why are we changing excuse me, our art because someone tells us we need to change our art that's what i'm that is what i'm against it's not the radio edits that i'm against it's not the the tracks are five minutes now they used to be nine or whatever it's not the like it's the fact that someone else who is not the creator of yeah. the art is telling the artist how to make their art and that's pretty much i would say the number one reason why i'm starting my own label so i can put out music exactly how i want it to be yeah with exactly the visual component that i want it to have with yeah. the artwork and the beautiful animations that we make and and mm. with my own logo and like all that stuff there's something freeing about that because uh, I, I i i you have to play the game to some extent but i i'm just honestly i don't really want to play the game with some of my releases i want to put it out how i want to put it out yeah no i i totally agree with you and that's the reason why I started my label two years ago. It literally two years ago yesterday we had our first oh, release. That's awesome. Um, and being able to have full creative control is for sure something super special. Um, and I think it's something that with Web three Web three point and with the internet and with us being able to grow our communities and talk to our communities directly i really think it's gonna change the way the music industry is at this moment in time and i can see a lot of a lot of streaming services a lot of kind of middlemen in the industry having to change their business models because so many artists really don't give a fuck about them yeah a hundred percent man i i i i really think for any listener who who isn't aware like as an artist making dance music right now that isn't commercial dance music like that isn't like a a, a pop pop mm. dance like anything that isn't dance pop excuse me anything that isn't dance pop you can't live off your music no. as like if you're making club 
tracks, you, unless you are like the chart topping number ones constantly, you're not going to be living off your music. Yeah. You can only live off touring. Like most of our income is off gigs Mm -hmm. unless you're making, you know, chart topping number one hits. Your income's off touring. And that's kind of messed up because we don't really get paid properly from people listening to music. But even to kind of counteract that with chart-topping music, unless you're like Jay-Z or someone like that, where you have an amazing record deal, a lot of these artists that are doing big commercial hits, they're signed to major record labels that, and they own 18% of their fucking record. They don't even yeah, get, right. they don't even get 50%. And yeah, 18% of uh and like of a royalty deal where all of the marketing budget is recouped by the artist everything's recouped by the artist so realistically out of it's it's obscene how little money people are getting through through their music that's the beauty of web3 blockchain yeah. all of this kind of thing i think this this right now it's such early days that it's so it's kind of hard for people to 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 get into it a lot of people have no idea even about the technology yeah. i'm really into the technology personally Same. but it, it could have the potential to properly pay artists because the the whole middleman situation is gone like if yeah. someone can make a working business model that makes it convenient and cheap for for consumers to listen to music with the whole catalog of all their favorite artists and and everything super easy and the only way for people to go to that business model is if it's cheaper for the consumer or more convenient for the consumer like Mm -hmm. no one will go out of their way um, or if the, the people who currently run the kind of industry, like the Apple music, Spotify, stuff like that, if they change how they do it, which I just can't really see happening. Honestly. Well, I think the issue with Apple pay double to what everyone else pays, which is pretty, yeah, Apple, Apple does pay double. Pretty yep. amazing. But the fact is, is that not as many people use their platform. So it kind of doesn't even, even out really. Um, right. But realistically like i don't i think the amazing thing about web3 is that it actually takes out the middleman so absolutely so i i personally feel that there's not going to be another service like a streaming service like spotify or apple music in web3 i think it's going to be you directly go to your artist yeah and I think, yes, you might be getting small, a lot smaller numbers, but you'll be earning a whole lot more money. Yeah, because you're Agreed. you're actually in community. Like I think this may sound a bit, con- and maybe it's not controversial, but like Patreon and OnlyFans, right? <laughs> if you have a really strong following, you can earn really earn a good good amount of money. And then start posting shirtless pics. <laughs> Feet pics. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like the, the, the difference between 
Patreon and OnlyFans and things like that is that, yes, they are technically a middleman, but they're not controlling who sees what. They, it is literally a platform where if you're on, if you're Patreon, yeah, if, great point. if you're Patreon, if, if I'm like, I want to go and let's say, for instance, you were offering uh, whatever shirtless pictures on your Patreon. <laughs> all right. And I was like, I want to see Spencer Brown with his top off and I have to pay nine ninety nine <laughs> a month to see that. I want to fucking spend my money to see that. Right. Whereas the issue with nowadays on social media, on all the, all the streaming platforms is Spencer Brown can release one record. You can talk about it on your Instagram and only two to 3% of people see that. And then you put it on your, it goes on your Spotify, it goes on your Apple Music, it goes on your Deezer. And you, let's say for instance, you have 50,000 followers on there and it only gets sent to a, one percent of those and you don't get playlisted you have this this massive community of what looks like a lot of people a hundred thousand two hundred thousand people all together collectively but only one percent two percent of those people are actually seeing it which that's a really good point i've never thought about it like that but that's so true it is so true which is pointless what like what's yeah. the what's the point of having eighty thousand followers on instagram if 1%, 2%, 3% see it. So let's have 2,000 people on a Patreon or on OnlyFans or on whatever Web 3.0 that is for you and build that community and give people proper value, like real, real value. Man. Like, let, let's say back to, like, for me, Guy J, Patrice Bomel, like, the people who I would go see, I would 100% pay. Exactly. Guy J actually has a has a Patreon yeah. that I, I do pay for. Yeah. He gives you samples and go to his Discord and stuff. And, mm-hmm. like, I pay for that. And yeah. I think it's awesome. And I want to support him because his music has changed me, like, totally. as a human, as, like, a as a producer, like been to so many of his gigs because it means so much to me yeah. i'm like a big fan mm-hmm. therefore i would happily pay the yeah. five bucks or whatever it is a month to, totally. to be a part of his thing you know what i mean so My, so i think it is important to that, that that's a really good point man it's a I, really good point i i think for me my goal in my career it's changed over the last three years well it hasn't changed it's, it's been my goal for the last three years and it's still i'm still like in a work in process on how to make it happen because i haven't come up with the right um solution to it and that is to create as many super fans as possible and i may super fans is a horrible word I, i hate using that word but it's having somebody that really wants to be involved with with you as an artist and you as the artist is giving them value to their life and a hundred percent and it's all about a 50 50 relationship where it is give and take and i think that's super healthy for artists to be able to have and i think that we will start seeing very soon artists have a very small following but a very 
kind of dedicated following that, totally that and with with the web three stuff it's it's that is going to be the ultimate solution it's just more people have to understand what it is and not think that it's some pyramid scheme or yeah. something like that like people have to really adopt that for that mm-hmm. to work but i think over the coming years i really could see it happening you know because yeah. this this is the ultimate solution to support your favorite artist there should be they should just be getting paid from the people who really deeply care about their stuff who you've changed their lives i think that's a amazing yeah. like solution to the whole problem yeah because i think at this moment in time with the whole nft stuff there is a huge amount of just quick money cash and grab and there's a lot of artists, not just music at all, because I there's only been very minimal people in music, but there's been a lot of artists that have been like, we can make a couple of million dollars and and it's going to be very quick and we can do it and it's easy, which it is. But for me, what's important is the value side of it. There's a lot of art, there's a lot of people in music that, not a lot, but there's a handful of people that I've, seen in the nft world that has created such hype but not given any value to the people that buy into the nfts and it for me that's quite demoralizing because if i if somebody buys an nft for will clark i want that to go up in value for them and i want that to be something that's very limited and very special to them rather than a picture of something that's realistically not had any real art or time or love given into it that that's my personal opinion yeah i did are you are you venturing into have you done stuff in nfts and crypto i'm in the process of working on a few projects yeah Um, awesome awesome i've been spending a lot of time researching it and i've bought nfts and like looked into uh yeah I, i'll send you some stuff that i'm working on okay um, sick awesome um i love the space as well from i think it's a very misunderstood space totally. as you said it's like uh, I, I i believe if it's something that's really special like for for example we're doing an nft with the 18 minute track that i'm releasing called 18 minute loop and as far as i know um it will be the first 18 minute or like the longest track ever minted you know i i don't it's normally like a 15 second animation or something but we're like no we're gonna make the animation 18 minutes of the whole track like the intro and everything of of the logo and the the album art and all all that stuff and and just mint the whole 18 minute day Mm. and only do a one of one just like one yeah and that's 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 like a special thing it's not some bs like yeah that i just threw together or whatever it's like i'm trying to do something a bit different and have some super fan who really enjoys that kind of thing like so how are you going to do that how are you going to release that is that going to be like a bidding process or is that going to be uh just a one buy now uh a bidding process but yeah. uh it's going to start at zero or yeah. 0.0001 just basically like a yeah. cent the equivalent yeah. of a cent and just like put it on for a day or two and yeah it's see what happens i guess dude <laughs> let me know when it happens let me know when you do it 
I will I'd love for to. sure. And, and it'll probably to... hopefully be like a week week after release maybe of the of the um of the ep cool man yeah i'd I'd love to help push it or get involved so just let me know and and thank you i really appreciate that um so what's your just to recap name of the label is it's called divine d-i-v-i-i-n-e so it's not like the word divine uh, but the, the divine is a very a, a great word for me, and I it, it, it has multiple layers of meaning, which mm-hmm. is why I'm so drawn to it. And it doesn't have to do with religion. I, in my opinion, you can kind of whatever religion you believe in yeah. or, or no religion, that's totally, totally okay. Like yeah. it, it doesn't have to do with religion, but it does have to do with more spirituality for me of of, of like gratitude of just like of, of there is some force that's created everything that we know, and it doesn't have to be like a religious thing. Yeah. It's just like things exist and the world is beautiful and it's like you want to just give thanks to just like for the for the beauty of of the world regardless of what you believe in like everyone can agree that there's so much beautiful stuff out there that's one number two um tying into my my gay roots it's like divine is 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 a gay it's it's a it's a word in the gay culture that's used a lot and i think that's a really uh, an awesome like second because I'm proud of myself now you know I'm proud of myself for coming out and like yeah. all that kind of thing so I As wanted to play be. into that whole yeah thank you uh, I wanted to play into that whole thing um, and then three I want just the music like it should describe the music on the label like I want anything on the label the music should be divine like yeah. of the best possible quality I'm not going to be signing music it'll be mostly for myself and yeah. for my very close friends honestly um I'm not going to be just kind of like signing releases that are like, Oh, this is pretty cool. Like we'll throw it out there. Like I want every single release to be like something that it's a jaw dropping track where it's like, like a really, really, really top, top, top quality Mm. Um, and keep the quality control, like do fewer releases and very high quality releases. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the reason I chose the name. Um, But that was that was Love years that. in the making. I'm really, really, really excited. I think, um, and also, it's like with the sound that I'm kind of I've kind of discovered that I'm kind of pushing like this kind of ground between like progressive. It's pretty melodic. Yeah. It's a little more up tempo than the deep progressive, um, and it is like techno, kind of all mashed into this thing. I don't really know if any kind of current labels fit exactly what i'm kind of trying to push so i kind of want to make sure like have have that corner of whatever sound that this stuff that i'm making right now i want to have my own kind of brand for that sound because yeah i don't really know like some labels touch into that sound but Mm. no one's really driving that sound so yeah i think i think it's super important man and and it's 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 enjoy it because it's very special when you start releasing music on your own label it's it's, it's definitely you, yeah. much nicer than releasing it on somebody else's label there's for sure because it's yours it's from yours. start to finish and there's a lot more yeah. pressure for, i don't know for me there's a lot more pressure behind it um but it's so much nicer man so much nicer yeah, the, the, it's funny we're like I'm, I'm talking to my my financial guy and we're like looking at them i'm just like wow starting the label's expensive yeah, here it's <laughs> like expensive. Looking at all the, but also you, you, you don't realize how much is behind the scenes when you sign mm, a record of the label they have like the pr people yeah. and the designers and all that's included and now it's like all of a sudden you have to do everything on your own you're just like <laughs> another bill another bill <laughs> but also it's like 
you can earn more money as well because nothing's split. Right. You own, Everything. except for the distributor who yeah. takes whatever, 15, 20%, yeah. depending on the deal. Like, yeah. But you own 80 to the 85% of the yeah. revenue now. That's so very different higher. than 18%. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. Uh, how can people follow you? How can people follow the label? How can people do all of that? Um, probably I, I'm on just the usual socials. Most of my socials are Spencer Brown official. Um, my Twitter is Spencer underscore Brown. Um, other than that, everything is Spencer Brown official. Um, and then the the new label will be the hand that I don't think the, uh, the website's set up at the moment, but mm-hmm. in 10 days it will be set up, but it'll be divine Rex D I V I I N E R E C S will be all the social handles for divine. Um, and, uh, and I, I think the best way to to communicate is through my Discord community. Because as I said, I'm not really on the the I, I, I on the social media. It's just it's gone. I'm I'm not on it. I'm not on it so much. It's just not really good for my for my mental health. Yeah. But in Discord, I have an awesome community full of really cool, passionate people who love the music. Yeah. And and we all share music with each other, and we're we're always I'm always popping on my Discord talking to people. So Love if you that. want to connect with me directly, the the Discord is definitely the place to go. And I think there's an invite link in uh, on my website spencerbrown.live. Um, there should be a place to get in. If not, um, I, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I think that's, <laughs> that's, where, I think the, that's where the invite is. Yeah, yeah okay. I think that I think that's it. <laughs> Sick, man. Well, I can put the Discord link in the description below. Um, if you Perfect. and anyone on here listening, hit the link below and you can get involved. Uh, Spencer, thank you so much for coming on, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. I loved it, and hopefully we can catch up next time I'm in town or we uh, flit in yeah. between shows. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been an awesome interview. Um, it's a, I love the interviews that flow. That well, it's not just like drilling questions or whatever this has been an awesome awesome time talking to you so thank you so much big love man keep safe and i'll um see you soon take care peace man and that is a wrap thanks to everybody that's listened uh go share it hit subscribe send it to your friends please keep sharing this podcast it keeps it going um keep safe see you soon everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.